Welcome to Double Fries No Slaw. It is Sunday, December 19th, the last Sunday before Christmas. TJ Pittenger, Richie Barnes, back with you guys again, talking all things FSU. Um, obviously, we'll, we'll focus a lot on football and different things today. But Richie, do you have all your Christmas shopping done? Does Lindsay have all your Christmas shopping done? Uh, no, we are not even close to being done. We're not really doing anything for Christmas this year, kind of. We'll be going to the hospital and serving food for the you know staff, employees, and patients and visitors and whatnot. So just taking it easy. But we'll we'll be on Amazon when I, I hop off here to get the final few things. But uh, we we taking care of each other. How about you? Um, yeah, Karen and I rarely do gifts for each other. Um, so at least I don't have to do that one. I, I think almost everything is bought. I uh, we placed a rather large Amazon order. Like I think everything for our kids is bought, which is really all that I care about. But uh, we placed a rather large Amazon order this morning. I placed a rather large like ABC Fine Wine and Spirits <laughs> order yesterday. Um, and I think we're about done. So and now it's like getting it packed up and wrapped and everything else. But um, yeah, so we don't, yeah, we don't wrap anything. Christmas. We we, we kind of just give each other our presents as they come in. <laughs> like we don't mm. make a big deal out of it. Like yeah, so you got to wrap stuff with kids. Week. You got to wrap stuff with this kids. This came yeah. in. Lindsay got me this. It's a piece the coaster. Of the tuck. It's a piece of the tuck uh, uh, signed by cool. signed by our friend Big Brad, uh, Big Bad Brad, with its certificate of authenticity and all that. So that's I thought that was a cool. nice little uh, surprise for me. Um, yeah, as, as if I don't need any other memorabilia in this room. I was gonna say you gotta get that hung up soon. Um, I thought it was a coaster when you first held it up, but yeah, like probably don't put that, don't put a drink on that. <laughs> no, wear the autograph off. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Double fries, no slaw brought to you. Well, obviously, if you celebrate, if you don't celebrate, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Last episode before that, we're not doing any. If we didn't do a pop up this week, it's weird. Um, without the Thursday shows, I feel like we just never talk anymore. Yeah, right. Thursday, it's weird like that that one show where we just had on a guest and really just interviewed them like i'm like oh yeah we do a podcast every week so yeah anyway, thanks for hanging out thanks for being here um if you're watching listening later wherever hope you have a very merry christmas and a happy holidays double fries no slaw brought to you by guthrie's in tallahassee you can visit both their locations at 1818 west tennessee and 2550 north monroe tell them double fries no slaw sent you and enjoy a gut box. Um, no better way to celebrate the holidays than with uh, fried chicken and, uh, and uh, it, you know, throwing coleslaw out the window. Uh, Richie, we had an eventful week. If we were ever going to do a pop-up episode, it, it probably would have been this week. But I just don't know that I could bring myself to it. We're going to talk a little bit. Not a super long episode. But we're going to talk a little bit about early signing day, the roller coaster that that was talk about the class, talk about some folks in the class, talk about some folks not in the class. Uh, going to talk some coaching changes. Um, some things have kind of switched up here at Florida State from a coaching perspective in the last week. I believe we've had three coaching changes this week. Well, two, two changes and then one that's kind of like a double change and then um, four overall. Uh, since the season ended and, and probably not done there probably some more things to happen and then some maybe some fsu hoops and if we have time we'll see 
a little bit of a little bit of bowl talk, playoff talk. And then we've got something that no one asked for at the very end of the show where I reviewed a beer from Parrish Brewing Company called No Slaw Extra Toast. It's a shout out to or it's a uh, it's like an ode to Raising Cane's. Shout out to good people at Guthrie's, which are the OG. But uh, if you make a beer that's I said this in it, if you make a beer called No Slaw, that I'm your target audience. So I'll I'll drink it and review it and tell people about it. So Richie. Let's get started with um, the National Signing Day roller coaster that we had. Um, Florida State currently has 15 signees, the 13th best class in the nation, and is second best in the ACC behind North Carolina. We talked about this earlier, the, kind of the way we wanted to go through it, thought that what made the most sense was just to kind of go by position group, make sure that we don't leave people out. Um, and I'll say this – I we'll have thoughts on some of these guys. This is not a deep dive into every single guy, you know, not going to be breaking down film or anything on that. If you want that go to Knowles two, four, seven. I've been doing the space with Josh. I was talking with Sunil this morning. Those are great guys support everything that those dudes do over there. And uh, if you really, really want the deep dive into it, go, go check out their website. Cause they've got that. So um, Richie, I'll let you get it started off. We'll kind of go again by position groups and go from there. Yes, let's just start at the top. You know, obviously quarterback, only one signee. I think that's all they were going for. Four-star A.J. Duffy from California plays at IMG Academy. Uh, number eight QB in the country, 120 overall nationally. A really good pickup. I don't know if he's a, you know, guy that's going to come in and push Jordan Travis day one, but definitely a, a talented player who had plenty of options and, and, you know, eventually said yes to Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham, despite Dillingham going to Oregon. Um, out in the West Coast, uh, there was a little bit of worry from the, the fans that, you know, being Dilly going out there, being a California kid, but he stays in the boat. Um, a really good start to the class, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I I was talking with Newberg the other day. Obviously, if you're watching this, listening to this, you may have been familiar with some of the uh, spaces that Josh and I have been doing. And we'll obviously get to the the biggest news of, of signing day, which was not positive um, later um, a blow, a blow that Florida State took to their class. But at the end of the day, the success of a coach is is going to be judged on what he does with with quarterbacks, right? Like, you know, we haven't had, you know, I'll say great, great quarterback play um, since Jameis was here in 2014. Um, definitely improved this year um, when Jordan was in, but even you know Jordan missed some games and and that certainly showed its head and, and wasn't great uh, at times when when he wasn't able to play and so you know the Mike Norvell tenure it, it probably no pressure AJ probably lives and dies on on what AJ Duffy looks like right we we kind of know what we're going to get from Jordan Travis if he's healthy I think this ceiling for next year is eight nine ten wins if he's not it's going to be tough. I mean, we're going to be right around that five, six, seven win mark again, you know? And so um, I think that uh, this is a, a position that a lot of, there's a lot of hope at this position with Duffy. I don't think that he comes in and just makes, like you said, an impact year one, but if he has a year to sit behind Jordan, to sit behind the other guys, he can get in next year in the 2023 season. And, uh, and be FSU's quarterback, hopefully for two or three years, right? Like you'd, you'd like him to really excel and not be here that long, right? Because he, he's that good, you know? And if he is, then Florida State's obviously heading in the right direction. So no pressure again on a UAJ, but uh, 
it's uh it's all riding on your shoulders. <laughs> and, and, and I think you should mention real quick that uh, Mike Norvell is expected to take a transfer at quarterback if the right one becomes available. I know a lot of people were looking at Max Johnson. Well, he joined Jimbo at AM, but there's going to be a lot more players entering the portal at all positions. And Florida State really needs to hit at one position that we're going to talk about in a second. But we do expect him to take a transfer quarterback as well. So the, the room should be in decent shape. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, you know, what that will look like, you know, I don't know. And we don't, we obviously don't know who's out there, right? Like we don't know who's going to enter their name, who they're targeting, who they're looking at. But I, I really am riding with Travis. Like I do yeah. think that it's Jordan Travis's room. I think that he is the starter. He's the guy that you, you kind of want to roll with. And if you can bring somebody else to, to do a couple of things, push him um, and be there for depth right jordan has not made it through a season yet um without getting hurt and i think it's some of our biggest moments you know if you know i'll say this i think if jordan is 100 percent healthy in any one of three games for four games maybe florida state wins it right if jordan plays jacksonville state if he plays louisville if he plays nc state and he plays or if he plays the full thing against florida right i think that if if he doesn't go out and we have basically three uh, drives in a row where Florida was just handing us the ball over and over and over again. And if Jordan's healthy there, I think we win either. I mean, I know we win one of those four games. Yeah. We probably win two or three of them, right? Like, I, I like us to beat Florida if Jordan Travis doesn't go out. You know, I like us to build up a, a pretty good lead in the first half. And so, you know, when he's in there, I, I love Jordan Travis. You know, the problem is that he hasn't shown that he can stay in an entire season. Um, and so, like, I, you know, you, you probably do need to take a, a QB for depth. I will say this too about um, bringing in a transfer quarterback to push Travis. Jordan Travis took a massive step forward this year. And I don't know that the McKenzie Milton was a hit or a miss. It was, you know, in, in the regards of like having somebody else that was actually capable and could come in, I mean, and, and be your backup, it was a miss. Um, from the point of pushing Travis though, and, and Travis improving, I don't know how much of that was – you know, Travis is just own innate ability and, and skills getting better and how much of it was like, oh, no, I'm going to step up because now I know i got somebody behind me that the fan base is clamoring for and thinks is going to be the starter, and so I'm going to go out and push myself harder. So in that sense, I think you could maybe consider the Milton thing a hit. Obviously, in having a capable backup, it's, it's a miss, but thoughts around that? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, with Jordan Travis, uh, he's his confidence really – grew a lot as the season went on I, and uh, he's probably aware that Mike Norvell is going to bring in a transfer. And I think Jordan Travis doesn't think that, you know, that's competition per se. I think he thinks, listen, this is my team bring somebody else in. Let me beat them out too. All, all Jordan Travis has done is beat people out uh, these past few years. So I, I'm, I'm here for it. I, I agree. I think Jordan Travis with a, with another year under his belt, if he can, you know, get some mechanics. Now the problem is who's he going to have the ball to, who's he going to have to throw the ball to because that that's a serious issue and, and it kind of reared its ugly head on signing day yeah and so we'll move into that right we'll move into the skill guys i will say he probably has some guys to block for him finally uh, yeah. but we'll move <laughs> did true. you see the meme did you see the meme where it was like fsu's first play of the year next year well i'll find it by the time we get to the offensive line so let's do skill <laughs> positions right. first and then we'll roll uh go ahead yeah, I won't spend a whole lot of time on the, this one. Running back, three-star Rodney Hill, talented player. The, the coaches really like him, someone they identified early on, uh, never wavered. Uh, he's a very active uh, 
in an FSU Twitter as far as, you know, just tweeting at other players, recruits. Seems like a good kid. Um, but yeah, not much to say about that. You know, just one running back in Rodney Hill. So any thoughts around him? No, uh, I do think that, you know, you could see Florida State active somewhat in the transfer portal here, yeah. picking up a running back with Corbin leaving for the NFL. I don't know that there's enough there for us to be super comfortable. I will say that, again, Jordan Travis is a lot of times number one option at, at running back. Um, maybe not a one, number one, maybe like a 1B, right? Yeah. Like you're, you're starting running back. Corbin was obviously the number one option last year. Um, but with, with him not there, this year, we kind of need to see what Florida State does in the transfer portal because if we don't pick up somebody that is that number one option, then Travis is going to be that number one option. He's going to take more hits. It's going to lead to exactly what we just talked about in him not being able to stay, to get, stay in games um, due to health. I mean, you just can't get beat up like a, like a running back when you're you know, starting quarterback and take the hits that he will have to take. So, um, yeah, I'm, you know, a good hit with Hill, but at the, at the end of the day, you need to, need to do more in that running back room this offseason, which, which I anticipate being a, a focus. Um, next up. Yeah, so this is a – man, this is a frustrating one. Let's let's go to wide receiver where Florida State's, you know, really struggled on the field for the past few years outside of, you know, Tamari and Terry. You can't point to a lot of great receiver play. And you didn't sign a single prep receiver this, this round, TJ. Mortimer obviously flips to Louisville, and he was really one of Florida State's most solid commits throughout the – the time, but on signing day, it became clear he was going to flip. Um, Coleman, the, the five-star out of St. Louis that Florida State was really high on, but he also really liked Oregon with, with Mario Cristobal out there. He ends up at Miami with Cristobal now, and Florida State's going to have to get to the portal because, again, no receivers brought in, and a little surprising, they announced yesterday that Ron Dugan's Florida State's receivers coach got an extension. I thought... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let- I, that was... Is that is that real news? I think that I think that was a troll on Twitter. I think you got had. Oh, then I definitely got had. Yeah, I was Man, drinking I'm all day kill, on the golf course. I'm gonna kill Aaron, bro. <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. I hate you. Uh, uh, okay, well, still, so that we'll, let's talk about that though because that is a serious topic. I think um, Ron Dugan's it. Does he see <laughs> spring practice? Because his contract it is set to um, expire in a, I believe a week or so, but. I mean, it just thoughts on not getting a receiver, Mortimer flipping. It's just, it's very concerning in my opinion, because again, we talk about quarterbacks, who are they going to throw the ball to? Yeah, no, that was a position of weakness last year going into the year. David Hale ranked um, four states wide receivers at 14 out of 14 in the ACC. I do think that there were times where they did step up and definitely played better um, than that, you know, and, and there were times that, you know, Parchment made, big plays there were times that parchment did boneheaded stuff right there were times that i thought mclean looked better at times i thought helton stepped up at times um but you just didn't really have that number one option and and that reared its ugly head and you know it it's not so you know it's not so much a problem that you don't have those number one options against teams like you know boston college and syracuse and uh you know your lower level competition that you're going to play, but that's going to be a problem when you play LSU next year. And it's going to be a problem when you play Clemson and Miami and Florida and probably go to Raleigh and NC state. And so, you know, that's, that's a big issue. Um, And something that, you know, the, the staff has to evaluate. Look, I mean, we we like these coaches, especially when they've played for us and and they've um, been similar legends. They've caught touchdowns in national championships and, you know, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, you've got to execute and you've got to perform. And part of these coaches jobs is landing recruits. And for us to, 
just basically whiff at the wide receiver position, a position of dire need, a position that um, needed a ton of help um, is concerning. It's, it's really, you know, something that Mike Norvell has to evaluate. And obviously we'll talk about Travis later on, but I mean, even if you had landed Travis, I mean, you're looking at using him, what, five or six plays a game. Like that's not enough. Like even as great as he is and as the spectacular things he did yesterday on the field, even it's just, you know, you can't, you know, the, the wide receivers coach doesn't get credit for, you know, Woodson having a good relationship with Travis if he ends up coming here and, and we get to kind of steal him for a couple of plays a game. Right. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's a position that Florida state really needs to hit hard in this transfer portal. It is probably the most important position uh, for them to hit, you know, Florida state did a really good job at some other positions. You talk about Duffy. We'll get to the offensive line here in just a second. Did pretty good on the on on in some positions on defense. There's obviously some places that, that need to be kind of short up there too. But yeah, wide receiver was the was the most disappointing part of the team last year, and it literally didn't get addressed. Um, you know, through signing day, which is you know, which is not great. Um, and when you're in the I, state, I think Florida, that <laughs> you, you got to get a receiver, right? Yeah, it's, and it's, I, I think that. Some of it's a little bit unlucky, you know, because yeah. I, I do think that I do think that uh, um, had you kept, um, we'll talk about, uh, yeah, it had, no, well, had you kept uh, Dillingham, sheesh, um, I think that that would have been really, really big. Um, for Coleman, but you didn't at the end of the day. Right. And, yeah. and so you missed out on him. So frustrating there, but you know, what are you gonna do? again, it needs to be something that really happens big time in the portal for sure. Um, yeah. And then not being able to read the room and get Mortimer, you know, I think they, they kind of knew which way the Mortimer thing was going, but not being able to lock him down and keep him from taking visits when he was committed. Nah, yeah. yeah. That's just, unacceptable yeah and it's, um, it's the easiest uh, recruiting pitch against a school right now it has to be against florida state's receivers right that they haven't done much on the field um the passing offense hasn't been great as a, a part of that and, you know we've outside of kelvin benjamin who's been drafted uh for, as a receiver um that was Alden tate drafted late or was he a free agent but yeah it's just it, it's so easy to negatively recruit um so i think uh, ultimately it's you, you really need to seriously consider making a change there um, and bringing in a, another elite recruiter on the staff. Yeah. It's something that would not shock me if, if that's something that we see kind of going forward. All right. Uh, let's roll. Let's keep rolling through this. Um, tight end. Yeah. So uh, Florida state, they, uh, you know, they have athlete athlete, Brian Courtney, and then tight end drill powers out of Texas. Um I don't want to make too much about this, uh, about the tight ends. I, I think, you know, they're, they're solid. We'll see what happens. I do think Brian Courtney is a really good athlete. Um, and I think Mike Norville will find ways to use him. So, you know, that's your, that's your tight end update. Anything to add there, DJ? Yeah, not a ton. Uh, you know, tight end has not been a position that we have done a great uh, job with the last couple of years. It's just an underutilized position as well. I mean, it bleeds into that wide receiver type, uh, skill position I, I did see i believe cam mcdonald's coming back that'll help yeah, you yeah, know the sure. fact that he's back another year um i'm not going to flip out over over tight ends like wide receivers by any means um 
but uh, you know, certainly, certainly could have done better there, but got a couple of guys that they're excited about and we'll kind of go um, from there. Um, this is the big one though. The uh, obviously the day was rough, but um, take us to the highlight of, of the day without a doubt. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, <laughs> coach Alex Atkins was the MVP of signing day after, you know, first of all, he, he brings in, uh, you know, four, four-star Quishon Sapp, four-star Jalen Early, three-star Jachi Richardson, Kaniya Charlton. Um, all those were already committed in the boat. And then uh, after a really bad signing day, um, as far as the uh, expectations versus how things played out, Florida State got a big shot in the arm with a four-star composite Julian Armella legacy um florida state his dad played there and they really needed that one it, it, there were reports it looked like miami and florida were actually getting really involved he originally was going to wait to sign but overall five high school um offensive linemen three of them blue chips uh all of good size and then they also brought in Caden lyles from wisconsin the the grad transfer to go in the addition to bless Harris, who was committed to UCF Lamar transfer. So you're bringing in seven offensive linemen again, highlighted by Julian Armella, just Alex Atkins doing a phenomenal job right there. Yeah. I mean, and Florida state absolutely had to have it. Like you talked about, I mean, we haven't, we haven't really gotten to it, but a really, really rough day on signing day um, needed some kind of good news. And uh, when, Armella was supposed to commit earlier in the day and did not end up committing. Um, it kind of felt like when he did kind of come back around and say like, Oh man, I'm, I am going to commit tonight. Um, it felt like bad news was, was on its way. Fortunately, um, coach Atkins was able to get that pull and uh, man, I don't know that it, it didn't fix the day. <laughs> it didn't, yeah. uh, but it just at least we got something much there needed at the end of yes. the day to to kind of make things be a well, little bit better. Especially, sure. it's a little sweeter when uh, you know. Obviously, if you have a two four seven subscription, you can read the other message boards of other teams, which is awesome. You can't do that on uh, their competitors' websites. But I, I would checked out you know Miami and Florida, and their insiders all thought they had a really good chance at Armella too. So it, it's extra sweet, you know, winning that head to head battle against Napier and Cristobal for for Mike Norvell. Yeah, big fan of uh, of stuffing those guys in lockers um, and welcoming them to the big three. Uh, this was the uh, – oh, I just messed it up. Let's see if I can find this. This was the uh, picture that I was talking about that got tweeted yesterday. Shout out Knowles Anonymous who tweeted this uh, with the guys that we brought in. Said this will be the first play from scrimmage um, next year for, for Florida State. So Love it. Um, I mean – I was talking with Josh the other day on the spaces, and I think I even made the joke, all these blockers and, and nobody to block for. But, hey, <laughs> fix the offensive line, we hope. Obviously, it has to come kind of to fruition, but, uh, you know, big day for Atkins. We can sprinkle this in. Obviously, Dillingham, OC, left for Oregon. We mentioned that earlier. Um, Atkins on Thursday, day after signing day, was uh, named the new offensive coordinator and uh, – Excited for him to be there. Great recruiter. Probably the I mean, best recruiter on staff right now. And um, glad that glad that he's here, kind of leading the way. Excited for him for sure. Um oh, and then well, we can kind of keep rolling. Uh all right, other side of the ball. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll start on the defensive line, and, and this is where it gets a little disappointing on signing day when we talk about some of those misses. Uh, you did sign three-star Daniel Lyons and Aaron Hester, who's off the edge, and then three-star Bishop Thomas. But some really big misses, uh, Tyree West, Nigel Kelly, Marvin Jones Jr., all, all guys that Florida State was in on and just could not close. Um, but again, I don't want to take anything away from the ones that did sign, but for me, the story is you, you did not meet your needs here. Um, and, and you really, the concerning part to me, especially Tyree West, who signs with Tennessee, that's someone that a lot that the, the Florida State coaching staff thought they were getting him. They, they, you could not have told them they were not going to sign him. Um, and it's again another player, and you're kind of misreading these relationships with these players. So, again, uh, excited about the three we did sign, but just some real missed opportunities uh, elsewhere. Yeah, Florida State did pick up um, a four-star defensive end, Dante Anderson, who I believe is expected to be um, uh, – it's, it's a little unclear if he's coming in as a scholarship player or a preferred walk-on, but did pick up a really good commitment from a four-star, again, defensive end out of Homestead, Florida, Dante Anderson, that did kind of help um, that defensive line recruiting a tad. Um Certainly need it, need, you know, you're not going to replace a guy like Jermaine Johnson or Keir Thomas, but certainly need help there to kind of fill a, vo a massive void that those guys left. So big there to get him um, for sure. Uh, another position that Florida State needs yeah. to hit hard in the transfer portal is that edge rushing and um, this next one that we'll talk about now. See here, yep. So uh, then we'll go back to linebacker, and uh, you only get one, Omar Graham Jr. And I think he's a really talented player down uh, out of South Florida there. Um, but again, uh, your linebacker room is one you're trying to restock. Uh, you love the progress we saw from guys like Kalen Deloach this uh, year, and and you hope you know Dixon Lundy can continue to improve and make some progress there. But you needed more than just Omar Graham Jr. And again, the good thing in the era of the transfer portal there's going to be players out there. There's going to be options. Like TJ said, you're not going to find another Jermaine Johnson. Who's a, you know, a first team all American that just falls to you like that, but there you will be able to address needs and you're going to have to, because uh, again, they, they did not really meet them as far as I'm concerned here. Yeah, not at all. And again, another, another, um, I mean, it's hard to hold this against um, the coach that's there now. She, um, Randy Shannon, because he's so new there, but obviously we, yeah. we understood that there were some problems with linebacker recruiting. Coach Marv no longer here. I'm not saying it's all on him. Um, you know, at the end of the day, this fault does fall a lot on the head coach to yeah. make sure that the recruiting and the targets and different things are, um, you know, is closing on guys, right? Like yeah. you, you missed out on some big ones and uh, didn't really have backup plans. And so frustrating because – need to uh need to close you know closers close at the end of the day but have to do better here at this position so yeah um all right then we can wrap it up with uh defensive back yeah the good news five-star sam mccall he was the first uh, letter of intent that actually florida state received huge pickup he's a day one contributor absolutely and then a four-star athlete azare thomas a former uf commit um by the way, did you watch his commitment video? Because that, that was outstanding. Uh, two really big pieces right there. The, yeah. Just him being moved to tears saying, you know, mom, I, I got us. I got this family. Uh, he's someone, if we have a first round pick in this class, I hope it's him, man, because that was really cool to watch. Yeah. No, McCall is is a big one for, for several reasons um, that we'll get to 
kind of wrap up the early signing day talk with in just a minute. But McCall is a, is a massive one. Um, I don't mean to go too too deep into the rumor hole, but there were obvious there were rumors, mm-hmm. um, and and I heard uh, certainly don't have you know elite elite sources, but you know I heard there was a little bit of smoke too, um, some concern about McCall being upset with with something else that happened on signing day, and um, you know I, I don't want to predict or project anything that could happen, but Florida State, you know, with this error of the transfer portal and everything else, Florida State. Mm-hmm coaches need to not let one big mistake turn into another one and uh, need to keep Sam McCall committed for, for several reasons, you know, optics on field play, uh, a lot of other things as Thomas as well. Really excited to have him on board. Uh, you know, Florida state needs help in the DB room. Obviously there were some guys that flashed last year and showed some promise and um, you like that. And, and you have liked to obviously improve this class even a little bit more than we did again, with what we'll talk about here in just a minute, but um, excited with McCall and, and Thomas in there. I think that, that, you know, class could have obviously been amazingly elite, but still really good with, with those two guys for sure. Um, all right, let's get to it. We'll, we'll do this, rip this bandaid off, and then stop talking about it forever. Yeah. I know guys are sick of hearing it about it, but we haven't talked about it yet. And so we'll talk about it quickly and then move on and, and get off of this so I don't cry again yeah. on, on the air. <laughs> we, yeah, we tried to bury this, but I mean – we cannot do an early signing day show and, and not talk about the biggest news in probably the history of recruiting. Uh, everybody that's watching or listening knows by now, five stars, Travis Hunter, number one player in the country, chose to sign with Deion Sanders in Jackson State over Florida State. Um, rumors, uh, was there an NIL deal with Barstool and Portnoy and all that stuff? Was there, was, what's the number? What's the total? I don't know. I would say I was almost positively certain that there was some sort of deal. I don't know if it's the $2 million that they said or what it could be, but again, the, the, there's so much to unpack here, but initial thoughts on this because I know when the coaching staff went to bed, they felt good because Georgia was who everyone was worried about, and the sources at Georgia were telling everyone, no, he, he's not he's not coming here. Um, little did we know that it was going to be Dion and Jackson State that would actually make the flip. Yeah, and um, it sucked, and it was rough. Um yeah. Couple of thoughts, couple of things. Um, I am not upset with Dion trying to get the best player available. I'm not upset with him paying um, millions of dollars to to get that done. Not him personally, but orchestrating a deal. To, I mean, there there's no rumor, there's no doubt about. It. I mean, Travis Hunter will make a lot of nil money, and and I know that that was, you know, I, I know that that was part of of what. Uh, transpired because I know that Florida state had things going on where they were trying to counter, right? Like, and, and yeah. just couldn't counter the level that it was at. And so um, not upset with Travis Hunter for deciding to go somewhere else. Um, I am, I, I was most frustrated with the way that it went down. Obviously I, I think if Travis Hunter would have been committed anywhere in the country, that would have gone down the way it did. If he'd have been at Georgia, they Barstool would have stolen him away. You know, I talked to Georgia boosters who were upset that, that they weren't able to get him. And so I think that it's frustrating uh, the way that it went down um, because I think that um, from what I've heard and been told, it sounds like Travis was somewhat absent from, you know, the recruiting group message. And, and this was, I believe, orchestrated to go down in a way – that like Dion and like prime time and like 
Barstool Sports brought the maximum amount of attention and the maximum amount of publicity and the maximum amount of shock factor, if, if uh, the maximum amount of embarrassment to FSU, you know. And so I, I'm not, I don't really have a problem with Travis leaving the class. Um, I do have a problem with there being obvious deception um, to where he's continuing to tell the staff and, and other people that he is committed and do interviews and say that I'm a null and do this, that, and the other, and then um, lead that deception on for weeks because this deal didn't come together on Tuesday night. You know, that this was obviously, you know, he visited um, Jackson state three weeks before signing day. And so I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm not a huge fan of the deception and, um, outright lying that had to go into it. Right. Because the staff was, was, was obviously pretty caught off guard. And um, so I'm, I don't love that side of it as much. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't have a problem with a kid making a choice that he thinks is best for him. I don't have a coach problem with a coach doing anything he can to get a player to commit. I mean, Jimbo's about to sign the greatest recruiting class ever at Texas A&M. They're paying kids too, right? Like they're just not doing it the legal way. Right. Sometimes you just need the old guys to write checks. And so, um, at the end of the day, I, I don't really. I just I, I wasn't as big of a fan of the way it went down, and so that's kind of what's frustrating. Obviously, Travis Hunter would have been an excellent addition to this class. Would have made this top 12, 13 class into a top ten class. Um, probably would have impacted other guys that picked uh, other schools elsewhere as well. There's uh, there's talk and there's things kind of going around that I think we'll find out in the next couple of weeks that other recruits, other big name recruits, I don't want to mention anyone specifically, but potentially legacy guys uh, knew that this was going to go down and, and that's why they didn't come to FSU. So frustrating the way it went down um, and frustrating that Florida state was caught off guard. Um, I don't, I, you know, I don't sit here and like hate Dion or hate Travis Hunter, but like, I don't think it's a problem for Florida state fans to like, be upset about this. Like I still don't like Oregon because of like the Rose bowl in 2014 or 2015, I guess it was on new year's day, but like, I still don't like Auburn from the game before, you know? So like to think that I'm not going to like what happened with this, you know, to think that I'm not going to cheer against Jackson state when they play in a bowl game on national TV, like, no, I'm petty. Like I still cheer against Oregon every game they play because I hate the way they beat us back then. So like, don't think that I'm not going to cheer, you know, don't think that I'm not going to cheer against that kid or, you know, that team or that coach or anybody else. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to wish awful things on them. But, yeah, I hope they go in 12 next year. You know, I, that, that's just – don't think that – and don't think that Travis Hunter or Dion special for that because, like I said, I'm still cheering against Oregon eight years later. So, yeah. uh, that's just who I am. So, anyway, those are my thoughts. Frustrating for sure, but at the end of the day is what it is, right? Yeah, and I think you kind of hit it there. So, with fans that are mad at Dion or mad at Travis Hunter, I think that's – misguided anger probably because listen Travis Hunter's a 17 year old kid and he from what we understand potentially just made life-changing money for his entire family to go play for Dion at Jackson State and, and like TJ said Dion's job as a coach is if you can sign the number one player of the country you do it you know that to hear fans say oh how would he do that to Florida State well honestly that'd be a fireable offense at Jackson State if he had the opportunity to sign the top player in the country and he chose not to do it because he didn't want to take it from his all matter. Like it, it, it just doesn't make sense. Um, everyone hates Barstool. Like a lot of Florida state fans hate Barstool. I actually like a lot of their content. Um, I got a big kick out of uh, big cat hopping in the spaces that Sam from the listen up podcast is running on every single Barstool Hilarious. account. Um, so yeah, it's unfortunate. 
And then people are like, well, I, why'd they wait till the last minute? Honestly, it would have been better if we'd known before signing day, right? But at the same time, does Sam McCall sign with Florida State if Travis Hunter announces three days before signing day? Does A.J. Duffy maybe look around a little bit? You know, we don't know these answers, but doing it when it happened, you know, it probably helped Florida State with maybe one or two recruits that otherwise, if they had more notice, they may not have uh, chosen to get out. So, yeah, not mad at Travis, not mad at Dion, not mad at Barcel. That's the way the game's played. And if you think, you know, Jimbo did this all the time, you know, and he had a player commit to him silently that was committed to another school he would tell them don't listen don't do any interviews don't tell anybody what's going on because he knew what could happen the school could get wind of it and come back so again sucky situation but it is what it is we'll we'll move on with the players that we did sign yeah for sure i mean travis um jordan travis the only travis i respect um (laughs) tweeted out something like you know at the end of the day we're all who you know i don't Tweeted something like inspiration. Yeah. I forget. I forget what he said. I'll find it real quick just so that I'm not misquoting him. But uh, at the end of the day, we're riding who with who we're riding with, or just whatever it ended up being. Um, yeah. I'm gonna find it. Sorry. Now that we're here, uh, do, 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 it'll forever be. We're all we're riding. We're all we need. Congrats to the science. Let's get to work going Knowles. Yeah. which was pretty clearly a statement. You know, yeah. uh, that uh, you know we're not worried about the people that aren't here. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say I hate Dion or I hate Travis Hunter or anything else like that. No. But uh, it but is I'm annoying petty, that so Dion to go on twelve. It is annoying that yeah. Dion is blatantly lying about it, right? He he's being adamant. Well, I think you can. I, I think you know, and what people say is like, oh, well, he didn't actually pay, and the school didn't actually pay. You know, uh, so yeah, real quick, not, th- this, you know, th- th- that's important. That's important because obviously Dion uh, has a relationship with Barstool, has the twenty first and Prime podcast. Um, but in Mississippi state law, there's nothing forbidding him to go calling Dave Portney directly and say, Hey, number one high school player in the country is interested. I need $2 million for him. That's perfectly fine. In Florida, the law specifically stated that the school could not facilitate any NIL deals. So Mike Norville couldn't call up the Dunlop family and say, Hey, I, I need a, I need you guys to write a check to, for name and likeness for this one. Yeah, um, and I, that I night, mean, that night, yeah, though, the, the bill was ahead, amended. Sorry. No, that same yeah. night. <laughs> they changed it well, now, or they're, they, they're in the process of changing it. Yeah, they 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 recommended an amendment. Yeah, and you know, the school can't, but there are people that are acting on behalf of the yeah. school that, that are doing that. And so, I mean, we, yeah. you know, there was a number that was pitched around for Travis Hunter. Uh, you know, I'm not going to report on a rumor, but like there was a number that yeah. that he was offered, you know, in Iowa's to come here, and um, you know, Florida State couldn't get to the get to the amount that they needed to right to, to yeah. make that happen and so Sign frustrating boosters and become a member of the rising spear that's what yeah. we gotta do now so anyway um all right that'll put a um that'll put a bow on football we'll see kind of how things turn around major needs at wide receiver linebacker defensive end uh, for Florida State to continue um, improving those positions, probably the running back room, transfer quarterback at at uh, some point for for depth. Um, uh, oh, uh, mentioned the uh, coaching changes. Obviously, you talked about Dillingham to Oregon. We talked about um, Alex Atkins getting the job as Florida State's new offensive coordinator, and then Coach Tokaraz. Am I saying that? Tokars, Tony Tokars, Tony Tokars. Um, yeah now the new quarterbacks coach um, would not be expected to see more changes uh, in some of those positions that we talked about. Um, all right. What's next? Um, 
Want to do a little basketball update? You want to do a basketball minute and then a couple other things and get out of here? Yeah, it's been a minute since we've done one, but uh, the team did win a game. So I, let's go. Let's give the listeners a basketball minute. Just what everyone wants. Let's roll. <laughs> Best part of the show, Richie's basketball minute. All right. After a three-game skid, the Stumbling Symbols were back at the TLC Double C in hopes to feast on some bison from Lipscomb. It was a shaky start for State as the Buffs charged out to an early 14-9 lead. It was at that point where the prolific Anthony Polite had enough, going on a solo 8-0 run, putting the Tribe out front for good. Polite would end the night with a career-high 25 points, connecting on 10 of 14 attempts from the field. Helping out Polite off the bench was the pride of Winter Park, Wyatt Wilkes finding, finally finding his form, connecting three times from downtown in a 13-point effort. With 14-28 to play in the game, Cameron Haymoth Fletcher drained one from deep as the Knolls doubled the Bison up 66-33. Ouch. The final few minutes got awfully classless, classless with Isaac Spenauer putting a bow on a 97-60 domination of the Bison. The Tribe was set to seek revenge on UCF today, but the Oakley Rona reared its ugly head once again, canceling the contest. Hammond Company will host UNF Tuesday evening at the Tuck before they get into the meat of their conference schedule. Good. Uh, there's no way to fade out the music on this. Like, it's just got, like, the music's got to fade, like, the end. So, More of a story, um, we won a game this week, so. Much I love needed. it. Hate the cancellation. UCF's playing pretty well right now, and I don't love the way that we're playing. So yeah, you don't need um, to lose back to back years to them. <laughs> maybe not the worst that that uh, that ended up getting canceled. All right, bowl season yesterday. Have you been watching bowls? No, I I was um you suck man. You do nothing. Sorry, I I was at the uh, <laughs> I was watching Tiger Woods in person yesterday. So I, I got to get out a free jail card on that one. Um, fun bowl games. A lot of good stuff yesterday. Um, highlighted by Liberty winning yep. 56 to 20 over Eastern Michigan. Shout out to my alma mater. Couldn't imagine my, couldn't imagine my school not making a bowl. Um, so good stuff uh, by them for them. Liberty was the first. Now a couple others won later, but I believe the first five bowl games, the underdog was the outright winner really? of the game, which is pretty crazy. Liberty was the first um favorite to win and then there were a couple of late games where the favorites won as well do you bet on bowl game i don't bet on bowl games outside of the playoff you don't know who's playing it's you don't know what teams are showing up there's very few there's very few opt-outs in liberty versus eastern michigan right and if liberty's malik willis play like so they were a nine and a half point favorite i took them yesterday right like to me like i like us to win by 10 if malik Willis playing against eastern michigan right so uh last year i bet on us uh, three straight bowl victories for liberty uh last year i bet on us to beat Coastal, I knew that that one would go down to the wire, and it did. It was probably the best game of the bowl season. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, but typically, yeah, like, you know, but I, I might take UCF against Florida. Yeah. Like, they're an underdog there, and, like, half of Florida's team's opting out, and Richardson's out, and Emory's yeah. playing. Like, I kind of like UCF there. But, yeah, like, I don't know. In these smaller games, I feel like guys don't opt out. Yeah, So, true. like, it's, you know. So, a, another good one is Army is – um a four-point favorite against Missouri next Wednesday night. Okay. It's kind of a fun one, the Armed Forces Bowl. Um, I do like UCF as an underdog. Um, I'm trying to look real quick. So, like, Auburn is a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Houston. Like, that's one that I won't touch. Like, I have yeah. no clue on that one. That's a really, really tough one. Um, yeah, they just lost big speed to the portal, so that's, yeah. that's tricky. So. Clemson's a point favorite over Iowa State. I kind of like Clemson there. Like, I just think their trenches are going to be so much different 
I kind of like them. Oklahoma, Oregon, to me, that's another tough one. Um, yeah. So don't know that I'm going to go with that one. Um, trying to look at what else is going on. Oh, Michigan, Pittsburgh. See, I just think that'll be a fun game. But yeah. Kenny's playing, right? Pickett's playing. So I don't know. I no, like I know. They're there. both the quarterbacks are out. Pickett's oh, out. really? Yeah, Pickett's out and Michigan's quarterback is out. I take that back. That game will suck. Thank <laughs> God that game is uh, on a Thursday night. Yeah, both so starting quarterbacks are out. Steph. Um, I, is uh, is uh, Hardman playing for Wake Forest? They're a four point dog to AM, sure so I may take Wake just so yeah, I can hopefully because he's coming back next year, so he's no reason he wouldn't play. Miami is a two and a half point favorite against Washington State. I do like them to win that. I yeah. hate to bet on Miami because then I like end up cheering for them, but I I like my wallet more than I like, yeah, Miami exactly on Twitter. Um, so yeah, and then the, the playoff game, I don't know if I like oh, let's start about the playoff and we'll go. Uh, Georgia, Michigan. Do you, I mean, you feel good about Georgia there? They're an eight-point favorite. I, I, I'd probably take Michigan with the points. I, I do think Georgia wins the game, but eight, eight's a lot. I, I think uh, if it was at seven, I'd, I'd probably sit this one out. But eight points, I might be, I might have to take Michigan there. Yeah, I, I kind of like, I kind of like Michigan there, but I mean, man, we've seen what SEC teams do. To, and I know Michigan's good, right? Like, this is not a yeah. typical Michigan, but like we've just seen what SEC teams but we, do to. But we know to Ohio State to like hang with the SEC, right? And what, what Michigan did to Ohio State was extremely impressive. Yeah, I'm waiting on that Michigan letdown game, which hasn't happened yet this year, so it yeah. might be this week. I also think it's good for Georgia that they lost the SEC because I do yeah. think they'll be kind of like galvanized, refocused. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, I don't know, man. You get these, yeah. you get these SEC teams against these. Yeah. other conferences and you just see like every time the big 12 gets blown out if it's not ohio state the big 10 gets blown out you think about michigan yeah. state when they've been in there wisconsin washington it, you know the pac-12 always gets blown out and so it's just like uh give me georgia we'll see i yeah, I'd, um, I'd probably take michigan if Drupal preppers was playing but he, he will not be in the orange bowl probably so. out, yeah yes I, i've heard that it could go either way but so we'll see <laughs> um Okay, cool. You have anything else before we get out of here? Give me shout outs. You have anything? We've got one more thing I'm gonna play and then we'll wrap up and be yeah. done. But do you have anything else? Yeah, no, actually shout out my uh my girl Jamie. She works for the foundation for uh where I work. And uh, I had reached out to her last week uh, knowing that we are a sponsor of the PNC championship, the golf event going on this weekend. And I said, Hey, can you give me some tickets uh, like for me and the wife? And she came through, got us two champions club tickets. So we were out at the Ritz Carlton watching the Tiger, his son Charlie. Uh, John Daly, all those people, the Nelly, um, the, the number one woman's golfer in the world. And it was all you can eat, all you can drink in the hospitality tent. So uh, multiple Bloody Marys, a lot of food. But sh shout out to the Jamie uh, who, I, who I work with for that. That was awesome. Can she get a like, can, can she get it where they sponsor the pod? <laughs> I don't know about all that. No, they, they, they're usually asking for money, not get not giving money away. Well, they could give some to us. I, they got it, bro. Um. Uh, shout out the FSU spaces I've been doing with Newberg. Those are a ton of fun. If you are on Twitter, um, check those out. Usually around lunchtime, weekdays. We, we've been going about four days a week. It may slow down just a little bit now that signing day is over and done with. A little bit less news going on. But uh, I'm sure we'll be back at some point this week. Um, so hit us up on Twitter. Give me a follow, TJ underscore Pittenger. I always schedule them out. Very rarely do them like reactionary. So check those out. Me and Josh Newberg at Knowles 247. Those are a lot of fun and we really enjoy them. Um, all right. 
I told you guys about, about this earlier. I'm sure we'll lose all of our viewers and listeners and things, but I recorded a review of a beer called No Slaw Extra Toast. It's an, a nod to Raising Cane. Shout out Guthrie's, the, the real OGs, um, from Parish Brewing Company. I uh, didn't know whether or not to post this on Bourbon on a Budget because I do a lot of these too. So I'm going to put their little uh, logo up in the top right-hand corner, and this will be like a mashup. This will be a Bourbon on a Budget slash Double Fries No Slaw mashup with a beer. Um, after this is over, I'm going to end the podcast. So if you're watching this, thanks for hanging out. We'll see you um, next week on Sunday at some point. Um, if you are checking this out and you celebrate, have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and uh, we will see you guys next time. Enjoy the review. Richie, go Knowles. Go Knowles. Okay, we're back. Um, trying something new out today. Typically, I do these rapid reviews with bourbon with my uh, co-host on Bourbon on a Budget, Ben Koch. Um, Sinone obviously has done a couple of them himself. We do a lot of bourbon reviews, but this is something that I've had for a few weeks, maybe a couple of months now, and wanted to try, wanted to do a review on, and so here we are. Parish Brewing Company, no slaw, extra toast. I know it's a little bit different than what we do. At, uh, if I can get that on the screen, double fries, no slaw. Same concept though, right? So you name a beer, no slaw, I'm going to drink it. Like that's just, your mar I'm your target audience. Like that is marketing to me. So I guess Canes, I guess this is a Raisin Canes type thing, kind of in conjunction with them. Um, it's a Raisin Canes trademark that they're using. Um, I guess those people like their bread more. We're more of the fry people. That's fine. I, you know, with, you know, shout out Guthrie's, of course. Uh, we're more of the fry folks. Canes, it sounds like it's more of a toast situation over there. Um, I'm going to post a poll and ask, are you bigger, you know, for the fries or the toast? Everyone gets rid of the slaw. Love the name. But I, I, I lean more towards fries. Toast is great. Don't get me wrong. But uh, this is a lemonade IPA. So kind of wondering how the, the balance of the hops from the IPA and the lemonade, you know, is it kind of like a high lie here in Tampa that we have from Cigar City, which is very, you know, fruity, West Coasty, um, has a lot of the hops too. Or is this more like, uh, more closer to like a sour, you know, I mean, lemonade. So I'm very interested. 7% alcohol by volume. No slaw extra toast from Parish Brewing Company. This is kind of a double fries, no slaw, barber on a budget mashup. Shout out Madison Social, the GOAT in Tallahassee. Uh, this was the Jameis Winston first overall glass. So still have them. Let's get our pour on and see how this thing tastes. Shout out Snacking with Sky. Hopefully that will make a return soon. But in the meantime, you are stuck with me for this review. Good pour. Came out pretty good. It's obviously hazy, so I like that. Not super clear. Big fan. Um, yeah, I mentioned the highlight. Um, this is similar to uh, the grapefruit IPAs, whether you are, what, what is it, Motor Works down there in Bradenton or the Sculpin grapefruit IPA. Similar nose to that where you get a lot of the hops and then you get the the fruity, 
sweet and sour. Uh, grapefruit and lemon are very similar, or grapefruit and lemonade would be very similar in that way to where you'd have sweetness and sour. Good smell, smells good. Sometimes you get craft beers that just smell like absolute feet. Uh, this is not one of those. So, all right. Not doing a rating on, maybe I will. Maybe we'll do the bourbon on a budget. Shout out to Noan for coming up with this rating system. Uh, out of two points for the nose. <sighs> nosing berries is not the same as nosing bourbon, but there's nothing bad about this. I, you know, it's not not pleasant at all. It smells good. There's some hops, there's some sweetness. Uh, give me a 1.5 out of two. So, taste. Taste, taste. Okay. So, okay. So, it's not a ton of hops. Like, I, I'd love to know, you know, well, obviously, not going to tell you exactly how their, their recipe or whatever, but it's very easy drinking. Like, if you're not an IPA person, the fact that they're mixing this with lemonade or adding some lemon and sugar adjuncts later, tones down the hoppiness, makes it much, much more palatable. Um, yeah, I mentioned the Motorworks Grapefruit IPA. Uh, I mentioned the Sculpin Grapefruit IPA. Um, I forget the name of the Motorworks one. Sorry that I'm forgetting. I'll try it. Oh, Pulp Friction, Pulp Friction. Similar to that, similar to that, how that one's a little easier to drink, not so hoppy because they're mixing the fruit in with it and you get the sugar. So, This is good. I get it. I, I assume the, the, you know, so like at Guthrie's, you go get the sweet tea. I assume Raising Cane's similar in the South. Maybe it's Lemonade's their big thing. I, I'm not huge on Lemonade, uh, but this is good. This, this flavor is fine. There's nothing that's not appealing about it. If you are a big Lemonade person, you'd love this. There's a little bit of a tang, a little bit of a sourness um, that sticks around um, into the finish. So I think that and you do get some of the hops. Like, there's no doubt that the IPA hops are there. Really, really good. Make sure I don't get cheated and get all 16 of my ounces here. Um, good IPA. And, you know, lemonade's not necessarily my jam. If you're into that or you need something to, like, kind of chill the hops out a little bit, good. Um, So I give this taste like a 2.75. So 1.5 for the nose, 2.75. Above average, it's good. It's got a good IPA. It, there's enough hops there that kind of bring it back. If I was a lemonade guy, or if you're a lemonade person, you're probably going like above a three on this because the lemonade's definitely there, very tart. It's good. Finish, finish is different on whiskey and, and beer. I'm not going to dock this for finish because... It's just not quite the same with beer. Um, it's not like it holds on. I mean, beer is just so much different to drink, but I don't know. Finish is something like a, I'll just give it the full point, right? I like the, I like that it is a little heavier. I like the 7%. If I'm drinking an IPA, unless I'm drinking, no pun intended, all day, um, I want an IPA with some heft to it. I like that six to 8% range. So I like this. So for finish, we're, we're gonna give it the full one based on the fullness, the depth. I'm a big fan there. Uh, cohesiveness and complexity. It's not 
it's very cohesive. It's sweet all the way through. It's hoppy all the way through. It's not super complex. Lemonade gives a little bit. I'll give it a 0.75 out of one. And then value. This wasn't super cheap. I went through the Tavor app and then uh, two weeks later, I saw it in my local ABC. So I could have just picked it up there a lot cheaper. Um, value, I think this was like $15.99 for a four pack. Maybe maybe I'm off there and it's like $13.99. Either way, not super, super cheap. I, you know, it probably gets like a one for value. Uh, I, I can't do math. So one and a half and 2.75 is uh, 4.25. And then I gave it one and 0.75. That's a six going into value. And then another one, seven out of 10. It's really good. Seven out of 10 would like almost make the bourbon big board. So the translation is not 100% going from bourbon to beer, but uh, this is good. Seven out of 10. That's a, that's a good score for me. I've I, we've never rated anything above an eight. So getting a seven is is really, really good. So um, yeah, this is good. I mean, I'll drink this whole thing and I bought four more or five more or something like that. So these will be consumed for sure. Um, Parish Brewing Company, shout out those folks over there. Um, Raising Cane's obviously, again, the, uh, the inspiration there, but uh, you know, shout out the OG Guthrie's because those are the people who pay the bills. Um, Parrish, if you'd like to pay some of our bills, we, we'd be more than happy to uh, talk about more of your beers. But uh, this one's on us. This one's free, even though this beer was not free. Um, check out Bourbon on a Budget, which we do quite often. Myself, Brendan Sinone, and my buddy Ben um, drops every Tuesday and uh, Thursday. And then we have rapid reviews that fire off at any point during the week. Um, and then, of course, you can always find me on Double Fries No Slosh. Shout out to the good folks at Guthrie's. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Cheers.